All right, you guys, welcome back to the Anxious Creative Podcast. I'm so excited to introduce you to my special guest, Jillian Tudor. She is an educator with Diva Curl, a hairstylist, a curl expert, owner of Texture This, a Rock Your Business alumni, and an advocate from White Rock, British Columbia. Welcome to the podcast, Jillian. Hey. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. You don't even understand. I've been like... I was so wanting to be on your podcast for a really long time, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad to be here. So. Oh, it makes me so excited that we're finally, I feel like we've had so many conversations in the DMs. Yes. And now yeah. we're finally getting to have like a proper conversation. Yay. <laughs> I overthink, I overshare, and I overanalyze. So come explore with me as I chat about business, life, and relationships all through the lens of an anxious creative. So tell everyone a little bit about, I mean, obviously you're a hairstylist, educator, but tell everyone a little bit about who Jillian is outside of that. Outside of that? Do I have a life outside of hair? <laughs> I know, right? It's like, oh. <laughs> I dream in hair, <laughs> really. Um, oh, what am I like outside of? Um, that? That's such a huge focus for me. Um, Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, uh, I'm a foodie. I like, yeah. To eat. yeah, I'm huge, huge on like on good food. So cooking it and, uh, especially going to restaurants. That's my, that's my big thing. Nice. Um, I love art. So if I can like hit up, you know, any kind of like museum of any kind, uh, art exhibits and stuff like that. I do love that. Oh, I love yeah. interactive art exhibits. Like I was just, I mean, at the time of this recording, I was just out in Banff and they have like a wicked light show right now. It is so cool. So nice. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I was in New York last year. Yeah. 2020 before all this craziness started, mm-hmm. I was in New York and I actually went to the Brooklyn museum and they had an interactive, um show there that was done by oh my gosh of course his name is now like slipped out of my head uh he was a rapper um from way back in the day like in the in the late 80s 90s very more much more of like kind of conscious rap mm-hmm. um and he put out an album and the on that was the only way to be able to listen to the album was to go to the show so it was listening mm-hmm. to uh the the songs, but correlated with the songs, he had artists paint what they, what they saw and felt within that. So you walk into this room and there's only maybe 15 to 20 people in the room and everybody's got headsets on and you're walking around as you're listening, you're walking around and you're looking at these fantastic paintings that were done specifically for one song like it was and there was places to sit you could sit and you could listen and people were dancing it was one of the coolest coolest experiences ever and that was the only way you were ever going to hear that music it is not out he's it's not um like you can't find it on spotify it's not like you can't buy the album nothing that was the only way that you could see it or hear it see and hear like it was the sensory engaging the senses Yeah. yeah I love yeah, it was, that. It was the coolest experience. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. I love I already, love like, for, for everyone listening, it was like, we're just going to press record and like have a conversation. And already we've like gone off on a tangent. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But I mean, it's like things like that. I'm very, um, I just, I love, I love artistic things. 
and mm-hmm. especially things that most people like don't understand or you're like you interpret it kind of your own way. Yeah. Which is that how you got into hair? Um, not really <laughs> my reason for getting into hair. So I grew up, um, in central BC, central British Columbia in a, a little town called Prince George, which was, um, was part of, it was part of the forestry, forestry industry. Mm. And it, so I had a real like diverse group of people that, but there wasn't very many people that looked anything like me. Like there was a few families, some of them were <laughs> my own family, <laughs> but there was, <laughs> there was only a few of us there. So you know, I, I was in school and all the girls that I was around all had this long flowing, beautiful hair and my hair does not flow that way. It grows up and out. And when it blows in the wind, the whole thing moves and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like just pieces. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it was a bit like, I just didn't understand why my hair wouldn't do what they did. So there was a little bit of uh, mm-hmm. disconnect for me. Um, and then going to the hair salons. Um, I, I think that really, that really like kicked me into gear on, on becoming a stylist because that was every single time was a traumatic experience. Oh, wow. Um, well, my mom cut my hair. I'll say this. My mom cut my hair from the time I was born till I was 10. And mm-hmm. I told her she wasn't allowed to touch my hair anymore. <laughs> um, she, of course, it, you know, late seventies, early, uh, in the eighties, like the Afro was the big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so both me and my brother had round afros. We had nice. the exact same haircut. And a lot of people thought we were twin boys. <laughs> yeah. So I had a little bit of like trauma from that, even though I'd be like wearing pink and purple and whatever, and everybody thought I was still a little boy. Um, but you know, my mom didn't know the reason why she kept our hair that short, especially mine, is because she didn't know how to take care of my hair. There was this was like, like pre-internet. So there was no YouTube. There was no nothing. There was no way for her to get any help. There was a few people around that kind of helped a little bit. Did your mom have textured hair at all? Oh no. My my mama has like that silky flowing hair. Well, she keeps it short. It would be flowing if she actually threw (laughs) it. She would be, she would actually be like kind of wavy, curly, but not not really. So, I mean, she grew up, you brushed your hair, right? And so right. you get out of bed and you brush your hair. So she out of bed and she brushed my fro and I'd have a big fluffy Afro over her world. I mean, I was adorable. If you saw the yes. picture. So I mean, I feel like you should share a picture with us. <laughs> you know what? I'll put, po- I'll post one on my, on my Instagram. Yes. Um, what's, your, what's your Instagram for everyone to know? Um, so I've got Jill's curls. So it's G I L L Z. For for us Canadians, it's Z. For Americans, it's Z. Z yeah. So G I L L Z C U R L Z, and um, that is the main account that I use most of the time. And then I also have my business one, which is Texture This. Awesome. So yeah, Jill's Curls is where you're going to find most of where I post most. That's mm-hmm. usually where I'm also the loudest. Awesome. <laughs> well, and let's talk about that. Let's kind of go veer over there. Cause we, okay. I mean, you joined rock your business. Was it in January of 2020? Uh, no, I joined rock your business. I think it was in, it was in June or July. 
of this of 2021 of this year oh yeah i mean this will be yeah. it'll be 2022 by the time this goes live okay yeah, yeah, i so thought weird. it was longer than that no 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 i've like, been i've been following you forever i've been like stalking you <laughs> i'm always like please stalk me or when people are like oh my gosh did I, did you tell me that? Or did I find it on your Instagram? And I was like, no, it's fine. Like, it's good. I want you to find things on my Instagram. Yeah. There was so much like amazing stuff that you've had on there. Um, thank you. I mean, from, from when you were, uh, educating with your, uh, your balayage techniques, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was like incredible to, to be able to watch. And unfortunately I never did get to uh, one of your classes, but, um, well, yeah. I just, I, I would have loved to have, um, but then, then you, when you made that transition into the business stuff, um, I was, even before I got into like owning my own business, which I've had for a year and a half, mm -hmm. um, I was already starting to like pay attention to what people were, were doing within their businesses and business models and that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And so I was looking at what you were doing and I really, I really like a lot of it I resonated with and a lot of it made sense. Like it, you, what you do is very clear, which I really, I really like. Um, there's not a lot of like gray areas. I mean, there's like the gray areas where you can play, right? As yeah. an individual. But it's easy to understand. But it's easy to understand, especially when it's coming to like your finances and how you should be booking and all of yeah. that stuff. So yeah, thank you for for sharing all that oh, stuff. With thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, and we had connected before you joined and I think it was, you yeah. had posted something and it was about the BIPOC community. And then we really got into a conversation about it. And I mean, talking about privilege and understanding and how to, I mean, it was just really awesome. And that's why I'm so glad you're on the podcast. And I'd love to just kind of hand it over to you if there's, I mean, let, let's just chat about that. Okay. <laughs> like, just kind of dump that there. Oh, that was, um, I, it, especially, I think for everybody in the last two years, it's, it's, um, our voices are, are somewhat being heard. Like we've, mm -hmm. there's a lot of us that have kind of been advocating for, um, more visibility, um, for the BIPOC community. Um, and we've been doing this for a long time. And part of that is like with me educating for Diva Curl, we're teaching about curly hair, which is not mm -hmm. taught in hairdressing schools. Um, I have something to say, but like when I'll, I'll tell you my like thought on that or not thought on it or what I thought when I was in hair school. <laughs> oh, it froze. Well, when you're done, cause it's oh. shocking. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So, oh no, did I freeze? Oh Maybe yeah. It's, it froze. But that's okay. We're, we're back. We're back. Okay. Um, so, uh, like part the, one of the great things with, um, like when I was talking about, like as a child hairstylist did, had no idea about curly hair whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the stories that I tell within my classes at the beginning of the class, because I want people to really understand what it's like to have curly hair, to walk into a salon mm -hmm. and, like the traumas that happen within the salon, just curly hair, period. Mm -hmm. um, one of the stories that I've always told is one of my, would have been one of my first experiences actually walking into a salon because I went from my mom cutting my hair to one of my mom's friends who was a stylist cutting my hair um, for a number of years until I was like starting to transition to other things to just walking into the salon and the mall and wanting to get my hair done. Mm -hmm. This is my grade eight, 
wanting to walk in, uh, walked into the mall. I wanted to have my hair cut looking fly as ever, because, you know, this is 1990, so it's fly. Mm -hmm. adult, right? So walking in, wanting to get my hair cut. And there was the, and I, I can still see it clearly today. There was a, a, the receptionist standing at the front and there was three stylists that were standing by her and they were just ch chit chatting as, as we do in the salon. Mm -hmm. As I'm walking in, they looked up and the three hairstylists booked it towards the back room. They did not want anything to do with me whatsoever. One of them wasn't fast enough. And so ended up having to do my hair. So I told her what I wanted. She was baffled. I said, do you cut a perm? You know how to cut, like you do perms, right? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, well, it's like cutting a perm. Well, that was a mistake. So she cut my hair. I ended up with a curly mullet mushroom oh, because no. she didn't understand like curls bounce. oh, bounces. Yeah. Right? I wanted a bob kind of where my hair is sitting today. I wanted my hair so to be above at my chin uh, or just below, just above my shoulders. She stretched my hair down, cut it, let go. And my hair basically bounced up by my ear. So, mm. I mean, it was just like, like, and then it dried, which curls up even more. So yeah, it was yeah. the curly hair mushroom mullet. People can visualize that I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and then she picked it out. So <laughs> So there's lots and lots and lots of tears. I had to call my mom from the payphone, 25 cent payphone, <laughs> to come and pick me up from the mall because I was so devastated. Um, so that was like, oh, yeah, the picture, my grade eight picture is actually on my Instagram. If you guys want to scroll oh back like a couple of years, you'll might you'll find that picture on there. But I always use the example of like you wouldn't like, I mean, it's impossible, but like if you're pruning a shrub, you can't pull the branches straight. And like, if you pulled them straight and cut it, it would look, it would bounce back and look weird. I'm a, I mean, that requires a lot of imagination because you can't do that, but like you have to prune, prune something that has texture. You can't like yeah. pull, pull hair straight and expect it to. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Well, one of the things is like, so, so like you had told me earlier, but one of the things is please don't refer to our hair as a bush. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was like cutting a bush. No, lots of people do that though. So I'm just like, but we're not, we're not, we're not plants. No. Yeah. And I'm but like, and like, it can't but even. I, but visually, you know, analogy. because curly hair uh, lives and the curlier the hair is it's 3d. Right. So we're yeah. not, we're not working on a flat palette where straight hair. It's like, there's certain cuts and certain styles you can do because it sits flatter. Yeah. Right? And then with curly hair, it, because curls stack on top of itself, it goes out. So yes, in some senses, it's kind of like, you know, like you would never pull curly time. hair straight to see if it was cut properly. Like oh, people do. Yeah. And people do it all the time, all the time. Really? And that is that, oh yeah, that's, that is one of the reasons why I do what I do is because I'm really fixing a lot of those kind of like haircuts. Lots of people, they cut yeah. it wet or they cut it, they stretch it. And they check, you, you know, the check that they do in hairdressing school to make yeah. sure that it's the same length on both sides, which never made any sense to me anyways, because nobody's head is exactly the same on either side. So cutting visual, it's a visual cutting. So it's the mm -hmm. same. Even when I cut straight hair, I visually cut. I do not cut, like pull everything down to the same length. It just, yeah. because it doesn't turn out right. Well, also I've but, had clients who like are kind of like they have like scoliosis or like they don't sit straight and it's like, so um, you cut their hair. Yeah. Like I'm more of a visual cutter than like, yeah, I can never be a cutter. Yeah, no total visual cutter. 
So that story is a story that I tell pretty much mm. in all my classes, because I want people to understand when a curly hair person walks into your salon, they've already got some kind of trauma based walking in a salon. And it's a lot for them to get in, in the first place. And then when they have another experience like that, that's why a lot of curly hair people will go to three, four, 10, 20. I had a one woman who was like 20 years since mm-hmm. she at last had her hair cut. Right. Which is like absolutely mind blowing. But part of the story that I have left out, which I really, um, I don't know if it, I think it was because I wasn't quite sure if it, if I should be adding it in, but now, especially I added in when I'm, when I am telling this story is that when I walked into that salon that day, my hair was not down. My hair was pulled back into a bun. So they didn't even see my hair first. They saw me Ooh, first. Yeah, what do you think about? So they saw this brown-skinned girl walking into the salon and um, automatically made it an assumption of what my hair would look like, what it would be like, and how it would be, be to work with it. So that was their first, their, the first thing that happened. And mm-hmm. I think I didn't tell that part of the story because... I hadn't, I hadn't worked through that because that that's an emotional thing. I had, I had not worked through that. And now I'm okay with telling that part of the story because I want people to understand that just because somebody has a specific skin tone or comes from a specific culture or from a specific country doesn't necessarily mean that your vision of what their hair is, is, is what it is. Mm-hmm. It can be completely different. My hair is completely different than my cousin's hair, who are also biracial. We all have different textures of hair. Yeah. I have clients that sit in my chair who are white and their hair is almost as curly as what mine is. But for some reason, people are okay with cutting. As soon as they see them, they're okay with cutting their hair. But if somebody like me or darker skin than me walks in, all of a sudden it's, we can't we don't know how to do your texture of hair. And that was the instance that I had in that, in that moment at, uh, what was I 13? Right. I didn't process, I was 13. I didn't process it. Right. Like I was just like, what is, I, I did think like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was like more about my hair texture. That's why I brought up the whole perm thing. Yeah. But then now when I really look back at it, I'm like, my hair was pulled back. So they didn't even see my hair. They didn't know how much hair I had on my head. They didn't know the texture of my hair. They didn't know how it felt. They didn't didn't knew nothing about it. And so now from now on, whenever you tell that story, that that is included in the story, because I think it's such an important thing. There's so much, um, there's so much, like we don't realize the biases that we have. And it's interesting being in the beauty industry because majority of the people that you ask that have come into the beauty industry is because this is the place for the quirky and the weirdos and the creatives to all be in. in. Yeah. Which is what we are, but at the same time, we're still carrying the biases that have been placed on us, Mm -hmm. not by our own um like we didn't take those those were taught to us it was taught to us from the magazines that we looked at it was taught for television shows it was I mean think about movies like oh what is that what is that movie called the prince of princess is it princess diaries 
where the girl, she starts out with curly hair and she's the geek and the dork and whatever. And then she ends up, they straighten her hair to make her this beautiful because they transform her, right? Like take her glasses off and straighten her hair. Yeah, yeah, and they straighten <laughs> her hair and make her look. But then there's also like the biases, like when it comes to skin tone also, mm-hmm. right? Like how many magazines have I bought? Like I used to buy 17 magazine, right? Like mm-hmm. that was like, or well, like yeah. even going yeah. further back, like Bop magazine, you know, it, that was a music magazine. There was so many, there's so much stuff that we don't even, we don't even realize that that is a bias that has been placed on us because our system is built not for the BIPOC community at all. Hairdressing, uh, look at your, if you even have your My Ladies textbook still, if you go back and you look at it, almost every single picture within it is a person that is white and it's not, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that takes me back to, so I went to hair school in 2001 and I remember, like, I can remember having this thought being like, where do, um, people with really curly hair, like there must be another school because we weren't taught. I mean, and I, I, I like legit thought like there must be because they're not teaching that here. So there, and I mean, at the time I probably thought like a very, like it would be, um, like an unconscious, like I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but anyway, I, I was like, yeah, there must be another school for that type of hair because yeah. that's not taught yeah. here. And then, I mean, it was only like a couple of years, not, not a couple of years ago, but like someone being like, yeah, no, like there, we, we, I had to go to like hair school to learn how to cut straight hair so that I could get my license. Yeah. But then like, I want to specialize in texture and had to basically like go learn under someone who already knew how to do it. Cause there's not, yeah. I was like, wait, they're not teaching this anywhere. Like, no, there's a very odd school that does teach it. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I'm in Canada. There's a couple of schools that now have picked up teaching curly mm-hmm. hair. Um, and that's literally in the last, like maybe, maybe five years, yeah. um, in the, in the U S there are salons that they implemented into their program, but it's because the exams, it's not on the exam schools don't have to teach it. So yeah, majority like, of schools, they opt out of teaching it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my lady, for instance, they had, uh, I know they're changing their textbook. I haven't seen it yet, but they had a separate book specifically for texture that schools had to buy. And if the schools didn't buy them, then you never got that information. You never got that, that knowledge. One Did of the just, things like, blow your mind. Like, uh, yeah. So I, I actually started my career in Barbados. I went, to, I went to my first hairdressing. I did two hairdressing schools. I did one in Barbados and one here. The one in Barbados based was based off the My Ladies textbook. Now, we were definitely working on a tighter texture of curl, but everything was about straight hair. Our mannequins had straight hair. They were uh, like white mannequins with straight, the same ones that we had, the Danico, whatever mannequin, mm-hmm. exactly the same, even though we were working on um, tighter texture hair, but even then it was, how do we straighten it out? It wasn't about embracing the natural curl. So just because somebody went to school in a specific place does not necessarily mean they, they do know how to cut. When talking about assumptions, I would have like, you know, I would have been like, well, yeah, like where, wherever there's more curly hair, they probably, that's probably how they teach it. And like, yeah, no, no, because the whole entire system is based off of the European standard of beauty, which is straight hair. Yeah. Right. And which is crazy because 
there's more than, I think it's like more than 75% of the whole world's population has some kind of wave curl or kink to it. It makes me, and I mean, this is, uh, I don't want to like compare this, but it makes me think of like, even how like women's bodies are viewed in mm. like, and like, that's not, that's like 0.1001% of the population that has bodies that look yeah, like that. Yeah. That wears a size zero, right? Like, yeah. like yeah, is, and why can't like, I see stretch oh. marks on her hips? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, I mean, I've, I've been, with teaching with with diva i mean i got into teaching with diva because i saw that there was a a, a disconnect when it mm-hmm. came to classes i mean i've been in style for 25 years and i've been like more specializing in curl more the last 10 because it it's an area that need that needs mm-hmm. to be care of but before that every single class that i went to i mean i went to classes with like the top brands with the the biggest artists in the world and I would raise my hand up and be like, so how do I translate this into curly hair? And they all looked at every single one of them, even though they were like international stars in our industry, they would look at me like a deer caught in headlight because they didn't know because they never worked with it. Yeah. It's just like so passed down, how, passed down. Everyone's yeah. like not done it. So if the brands aren't acknowledging it, and the artists aren't acknowledging it, then how in the world do you ever expect anybody? Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not angry anymore about like with stylists per se, well, to a certain degree, because there's access to the information now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. More, now more than ever from before. free to like, you know, high price. But I mean, if you're going to spend $600 on a balayage class, you know, and you've done like eight balayage classes, you can, you can spend the same amount of money on a, on a curly class, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but there's free education. There's tons of it, but yeah. I don't feel so bad for the people that are coming out of school. Cause they don't know any better. I'm more frustrated with the schools. I'm frustrated with, um, with the uh, manufacturers, um, I noticed there's a lot and there's a huge disconnect between Canada and the United States. The U.S. is doing a lot more work. Canada, the manufacturers here, their divisions here have been silent, silent on everything, which is frustrating. I guess there's there's actually two Canadian artists um, that are that have been uplifted, which is amazing. And they worked so hard, worked harder than they had to. They really should have had to. Um, It's uh, um, Janet Jackson. It's Janet Jackson hair on Instagram. Janet Jackson is, uh, I believe in Ontario. And she just, she just got a position. uh, She was working for Shea Moisture and she just got a position with L'Oreal. Um, so L'Oreal has hired her, which is like great. And then they have another woman who's actually been with L'Oreal for a really long time. And it's Donna. I wish I could remember her last name. I can't remember her last name, but she, she had to work super hard to get to where she's at, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate because she's so talented and she deserved that position, uh, way before it was like offered to her. There was many people that got those positions before she did which was like super frustrating for her. Mm-hmm. So, you well, know, I even I'm, just think coming from like a perspective of like specializing in stuff, like, cause I'm uh, just thinking like, oh, someone might sit here and be like, well, I'm terrible at cutting curly hair. 
And I was, I was thinking back how you're like, yeah, when, like when I went to air school, like there wasn't any way for me to learn it. And I had to do it trial and error on clients. And eventually like, I kind of figured out my own weird system that probably doesn't make any sense, but you know, for my couple curly hair clients that I had, it worked for their hair and they'd like, give me feedback. I mean, I probably butchered tons. Yeah. And realizing now, like, regardless of what, like, you know, if hairstylists want to specialize in something, we still all have to learn. I mean, I don't do perms anymore. And if someone asked for a perm, I'd be like, you know what, you're probably better to go somewhere else. Cause like, it'd be terrible, yeah. but we still need to learn it. And I think that's like the really important thing is like textured hair needs to be taught regardless of whether or not, I mean, I don't do clipper cuts anymore because it is not a strength, but you still need to learn how to do it to yeah. begin Well, one of the things that we have been like really advocating for, there's a lot of us curl specialists out here that are are really talking about it. A hot topic is, is like you were saying like, okay, perm perms are, uh, perms can be a specialty, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter the texture of hair. Yeah. Right. Color you call yourself colors, you know, people call themselves a color specialist, but if you can't do all textures of hair, how are you a specialist? Yeah. Hair, hair in general can, should not be especially like, I don't want to call myself a curl specialist or a curl expert because Mm -hmm. everybody should be, I do it because it's, it's helping and Mm -hmm. filling a gap. Right. Yeah where everybody should know how to do it. just because you don't want to do clipper cut. Let's say we do clipper cuts. Are you going to turn somebody away that has curly hair? You shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. A cut is a cut. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's long oh, hair, short hair, whatever. Those yeah. are tools. Those are techniques, but it doesn't, it shouldn't matter about the texture of hair. It shouldn't mm-hmm. matter what the pattern is. You should be able to work with every pattern of hair and then you take it into your special you take it into i'm a color specialist and i do all textures of hair i like to do short haircuts so i this is what i specialize short haircuts it doesn't matter what the texture of your hair is Mm -hmm. i like to specialize in long hair like i know people that do only long hair and it's like okay well then you should if you're calling yourself a specialist it should be all long hair yeah. Your chemical services specifically and your cutting techniques, there should be no disconnect when it comes to texture of hair. I do not want to be a curl specialist. That is not what I want to do, but this is, I am doing it specifically because majority of stylists still look at it as if it is something that should be specialized in. Oh, I like that. Cause like really, I mean, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but like texture, I mean, every hair has texture. Every hair has texture. Yeah. Every hair has texture. It can be straight. But we always think that texture equals curl. Yeah. Which is funny. Like the whole thing about like texture too, it's really, it's, it's hair patterns. Yeah. The hair changes in pattern. Texture is more, what does it feel like? Yeah. Is it smooth? Cause I know I have uh, curl clients that have super tight, tight, tight coils mm-hmm. and their hair is silky, silky smooth. And I have clients that have like almost poker, poker, straight hair, but their texture of their hair is rougher, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's got that, like you can feel it when you run your fingers over it. Yeah. Right. So it's not about necessary texture. It's more about like, it's the pattern so there's of texture and, and there's pattern. 
there's texture, there's pattern. And then it goes into a little bit deeper than that. Like we always think about density of hair, right? Like when Mm -hmm. you're cutting your coloring and all that kind of stuff. So what's the density? A lot of people will look at somebody with curly hair, like with a big, huge, massive, like kind of beautiful fro Afro going on. But if you actually get in there, they have way less hair than half of my straight hair clients. Mm-hmm. Right. It's that the, the hair that just builds on top of itself, which is yeah. so cool and so magical that it does that. I know yeah. I've been really surprised at like over the last 20 years where someone will come in and their hair is like really uh, like full. And then you go to wash it. And I'm like, oh, it's not as much as I thought it was. Yeah, it's like way less than half. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I've had people who come in like with really hair that's like, you know, uh, no volume. And I'm like, oh, they must have like not a lot. And then I'm like, holy crap, this is a whole lot of hair. hair. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like that goes to like, I love that you said that because it's like, yeah, texture and curl pattern aren't a specialty. And like, even because I started kind of specializing in balayage a few years ago, and I would always adapt it to the type of hair. Like, yeah, of course I can make it work. You just got to like adapt with it. Uh, and how I was saying like clipper haircuts from day one out of school. I remember when I got my first job, my boss was like, you've got the job, but you need to get in some models and work on your clipper cuts. Like they've always just been something of my weakness. Um, yeah. And like, I guess being, it's like that, see if I'm trying to put it into words. It's like what, the more you stay away from trying to get better at something, the less you're going to get better at it. Uh, right. Yeah. And the more you can practice something. Um, but it, do you also, and this, I'm a, a true curiosity, like if you've practiced it and like, say, like, I know people who like try to do balayage and it just doesn't like, they're like, I just got to stick with foils. Cause I mean, I'm just, I can get a better look with this. Do you think there's a place where it's okay to say like, Hey, I'd love to do this, but I know that like, I, I don't have the talent for it or the skill set. Yeah. Like, cause there's like a fine line between like knowing what to do and like the skill and like, like talent. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like everything, everything takes practice, Yeah, right? Because we are, we are never taught right from Mm -hmm. the start on how to work with like, you know, like all curl or all hair patterns. Um, of course, like straighter hair, you're going to, you're going to be, you're going to be able to get it like pretty, pretty quickly because that's what you were taught. Right taught. Yeah. Right. Like you start a fresh plat palette, you didn't know anything and this is what you learn. Right. Mm-hmm. So just like everything that we're learning, it's going to take time. You're going to be frustrated. You know, you're going to make mistakes. Those things are going to happen, mm-hmm. but it is a hundred percent up to you to specifically when it comes to um, learning hair patterns is investing in it. You need to invest in it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just like, if you're going to invest in, uh, doing specific color, right. Mm-hmm. I, I suggest that to people like start, like, I know you want to do that. Learn, learn hair, like learn all hair first. And mm-hmm. then, and yes, if you want, you know, if you want to do color, there's, there's some amazing colorists out there that mostly only work with, with, uh, curl patterns mm-hmm. I, and they're absolutely incredible in what they do. So that you can take color classes specifically geared towards that too, because mm-hmm. not all hair color is going to translate the same from straight hair to curly hair. I've, I've done some stuff where I've like it 
like love guy tang's work right mm-hmm. so i'll look at what he does and then i'll revamp it into curl yeah i i, I do my placement a little bit differently right but i still get it to try and i try to make it look as close to that as possible but with the with the curl pattern I love that. Cause I, I have a lot of clients with extremely fine hair and they'll bring in pictures of like this beautiful color where you have like pops of color and depth. And it took me a lot of years. Cause she'd be like, yeah, we can totally do that. And then it didn't really pop. And I was like, oh, cause they just don't have enough hair on their head. Enough hair. Like if you do the pop here, you don't have enough, like, and learning, like it was like almost, I mean, same, but different struggle of like, people keep giving like, and this was me growing up. Cause I have like five strands of hair on my head. I call it like, I'd always, if I wanted like face framing, I'd end up with a mullet because like, I have oh, no hair have over no my hair ears. Yeah. And I mean, that's where I started to like really focus on like helping people with super fine hair. Cause I'm like, Oh, I get it. Like no one gets our hair and everyone cuts it wrong. It's like, it's like, everyone's taught how to do like thick, straight hair. Yeah. <laughs> like nothing else, yeah. but yeah, like the yeah. same similar thing is like, okay, how do we adapt this? Or like, how do you set expectations when the picture doesn't translate to the person's hair? And I love that you're like, yeah, it's like, okay, how do we adapt this to make this work for, for what you have? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have clients that come in and they, they've got like curls as tight as mine. And they bring me a picture of somebody that's had their hair blown out and curled. And they're like, I want this color. I'm like, well, let's, (laughs) let's, let's, and then I'm like, pull up my Pinterest and I'm like, let's find a similar, you know, color that is like based in, in, cause they need the visual. Yeah. Right. And I also need the visual. I can't say, oh yeah, I can give you that because color is not going to translate the same way onto curly hair because of the fact that it builds on top of itself. And also it's depth is different Mm -hmm. than what it is on straight hair. Right. So So what do you do when someone wants to wear their hair curly and straight? Because I've always thought like, you can't, Mm. is there a middle ground? I've always said you you have to pick one or the other to focus on. Otherwise you're going to try and compromise. And yeah, it's always been my thought. I mean, I don't have personal experience. This is the way I explain it to people. Okay. So let's say that you are, you got a sewing machine, you, you've got a pattern, you want to make uh, a dress. Um, now the pattern calls for cotton, right? Like nice, stiff cotton material. Cause it's going to be a very nice structured dress. Mm-hmm. The only material that you have is Lycra, <laughs> which is stretchy, right? Yeah. So you, you're just like, ah, whatever. I'm just going to do it. So you create this Lycra dress that is like based on a pattern that is for cotton material. Will it look good? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, you could hold it up and it might, you might have the right shape, but once you put it on your body, it may not, right? Like, is it going to be okay? Possibly, you possibly could get away with it, but is it going to look its best? No, not mm-hmm. at all. Right. So, straight hair, a straight haircut, like any of my clients, if they have curly hair, but they, like majority of the time are wearing the hair are straight, Mm -hmm. then I cut for straight. Yeah. And, but I still keep in mind of how much their curl, like I pay attention to what their curl pattern is Mm -hmm. and how much their curls are going to bounce. And cause they may possibly want to wear it curly. 
at yeah. some point. Like if they go on vacation, you're not going to Mexico and straightening your hair. That's not happening, <laughs> right? Like, believe me, I did it. <laughs> it was the worst thing I ever did. Like, oh, oh I blew, blow dried it out. I curled it with curling on and I stepped off that airplane and my hair went kapoof. Yeah, it yeah. was crazy. Uh, yeah, people looked at me like I was like Albert Einstein. Like it was, yeah, they thought it was just like insane. Um, but you're, so then if, but if you wear your hair curly, let's say like 95% of the time, and you're only smoothing your hair out maybe once or twice a year, mm-hmm. like get your hair cut for the way that you wear it, get it cut curly. Yeah. Right. I love you that. Just, you can't, I mean, there are people that kind of go back and forth. Some people do like certain styles, especially the tighter texture curls. Um, they tend to have other stuff. They don't just do like a wash and go. They'll mm-hmm. do um, like a uh, a twist out or a braid out. So that's when you twist the hair or you let it mm-hmm. dry and you take it apart and you get these like big, huge, gorgeous like curls. I mean, their natural hair is beautiful too, but just for a different style. Yeah. Right. Um, or they um, they'll do other things that it's more of a stretched out style. Mm-hmm. So. In that case, we kind of meet in the middle where you just, you actually, I'll rough dry the hair. So it stretches Mm -hmm. that curl out. I won't do a full blow dry smoothing it out, but I'll just fluff it out and Mm -hmm. then cut it according to that. And then it's a little bit easier for them to go from curly into straight, but will it look perfect either way? No, no. That's what I used to say. I'm like, if you want to wear it both ways, you have to compromise on both ways. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. There's no, there's no perfect cut out there that will ever give you the perfect straight or the perfect wash and go. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's, and I mean, that that's really good for education for the consumer, right? Like, cause I always think like how many, I mean, in the beginning of my career, I'd just say yes, because I didn't want people to think I was incompetent. And then try and do something that was unattainable. Right. Yes. I like my heart goes out to all the new, the newbies in our industry Mm -hmm. because they just haven't, they haven't built up that confidence yet of being able to say no. And also to the salon owners out there that are listening, you know, you stop forcing people to do things (laughs) that they're uncomfortable with, like send them to a class first before you're like, making them like do things like you were saying, like you didn't like to do clipper cuts. Like, I mean, if that's something that you didn't want to do, then you shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, if it was something that interests you, maybe even down the road, you could take some classes for it. Mm -hmm. Not forcing. And, and cause it'll also stop forcing your stylists, especially the young ones to take the clients that are abusive. Yeah. You know, like stop that. Yeah. How many, how many people have dropped out of this industry specifically because they have been abused by, um, other, by clients and then their bosses haven't stood up for them. Yeah. Like just, just stop with that. And I mean, even like, cause what I teach is a lot of boundaries. I get DMS every day of people being like, I'm just going to leave the industry because my clients take advantage of me. And I'm like, I mean, if you, if your clients continue to take advantage of you, this is going to follow you everywhere. Cause it's not, everywhere. it's not it's them. Really- it's not. Yeah. I, yeah. It's that. What's the, what's the phrase it's, um, you teach people how to treat you. <laughs> um, no, but it's like, what's the, 
who's the common denominator? Mm-hmm. Who's the common denominator? I mean, I think- I tell, you know, you got to work on building your own confidence and work on saying no, no is the hardest thing on the planet. Oh my I, gosh. I yeah. had to send out uh, an email last week to a somebody that totally overstepped my boundaries. Um, and, uh, and that was, that was a hard, that was hard because, you know, we're people pleasers. So, you know, I wanted to come very gently, but if I had to come gently because she was already had pushed way past what my boundary was, I literally had to write an email that just said no. And then I wrote like two other lines and that was it. And I sweat <laughs> like for, for that day. And like two days afterwards, it was on, I'm yeah. like, well, why am I giving so much energy to this person? Like, we want to over explain, but sometimes being direct oh. is better, but we feel so uncomfortable with being direct. And I think a lot of times, I mean, this could be a whole nother podcast episode, but a lot of times it comes from, you know, being brought up in a time where it's like the way you respect people by saying yes and saying no is disrespectful, which is not the case at all. No, not at all. And that, that comes out. What was that? That had something to do with one of your posts that you post posted the other day. I mean, I posted about, and I answered like childhood trauma. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. (laughs) Where does, where, why is it so hard to say no? Why is that? Yeah. It was like childhood trauma. Like seriously, because we're taught from the time we're little, don't disrespect your parent, whatever your parents tell you to do, you do. You're not allowed to question anything. Mm -hmm. And if you do question, then you're going to get into trouble. You don't question your teachers. You don't question um, the elders, anybody that is in a place of authority. You do not question. You don't question your bosses. You don't question. So how in the world, if you're, if you're taught that, you're not, it's going to be so hard to get to that place of being able to just say, no, like I have been practicing this stuff for a while and I was still sweating, you know, and like overanalyzing the whole thing. But I, (laughs) like you Don, we, one of the things that I have found is that having somebody that is like advocates for me and keeps me accountable, which is Mm -hmm. my life coach. Hmm. having, having a coach, having somebody that can stand with you, hold your hand, but, but makes you do the work. Yeah. No one else can do the so, work, but you is so important, but having somebody with you, um, cause it's really, you can't do this kind of work on your own. You just, you just oh. can't. And a lot of people say that they, they can, and they do, the only thing is, is that there are like certain things that you're going to miss. You can mm-hmm. work to some degree, but like I work a lot on biases. I work mm-hmm. on biases on myself um, so that when I'm out in the world of Instagram and piping off, <laughs> you know, it. it's just like when I want to keep myself accountable um, for the things that I say and the things that I do mm-hmm. um, and also holding other people being yeah. accountable. If I, if somebody's not holding me accountable, then how am I going to expect, um, to be able to help anybody else? And knowing that we're all going to mess ask up other people to be accountable. Yeah. You know, I think that's and I mean, so I've good. For all the time. I'm sure my ego gets in the way all the time when I'm, I'm like on Instagram, especially when I get angry about something that's just ignorant. <laughs> I mean, and then it's embarrassing to be, to recognize, oh my gosh, I didn't even know. And now I know, and now I'm embarrassed and being yeah. like, but like, but you didn't know. So give yourself grace. Yeah. 
Yeah. But also be humble enough to accept when someone, I mean, I saw someone say like, don't call people out, call them in. And I thought yes. that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the calling out is, is a little, has gotten a little bit too out of control. It's a little bit to become a trend, yeah. um, like the cancel culture thing. Um, like, there well, are people that deserve to be canceled. There are absolutely say, people out there that deserve it, but then not everybody, some people just need to be like, Hey, you know what? what you've said or what you've done is offensive. And this yeah. is why, you know, yeah. but you got to come at it almost well, with some compassion, but being firm. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting called out once about something. And I, I like the defensive defensive part rose. Cause I'm like, but that wasn't oh, yeah. my intention. Yeah. Right. And then going, okay, but regardless of my intention, it hurt somebody. It hurt somebody else. And yeah. I was like, okay, humble yourself, Don. Cause yes, that wasn't your intention, but it was, it's good to know that, you know, don't do that in the future. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I'm so thankful for it now, but then it's like defensiveness and then embarrassment and then accepting it. And it, those are hard emotions. Yeah. And the the accepting, taking accountability is super hard. Mm -hmm. It's super hard, but once you do it, man, you know, you just, you do feel better. And it also, it's, um, being, being a leader in this industry definitely means that you, you have to show how to be accountable because a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't know how to do that. I, yeah. I posted something in my stories a couple of days ago and it was uh, when, when somebody is apologizing, when they're saying, sorry, like if it's genuine, sorry, um, if somebody says, and, and I've caught myself on this and I still catch myself is sorry, sorry, if I offended da, da, da. Mm. the, if is the problem. The if the is, but. I didn't, I didn't really offend anybody. You're just making things out to be, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's changing your wording. It's, uh, sorry, I offended, like take ownership. Mm-hmm. The I is the, is the part. Yeah. Right. And like, and the that, like, I always thought like my intention wasn't this, but I hear this is the impact it had on you yeah. and for that. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I offended. I'm yeah. instead of, uh, I'm sorry if, and you know, what's that, funny. That, I found that like, I, when you learn to apologize, well, lots of times people are in it for the fight and it diffuses yeah, the fight when you own fight. it. Yeah. Like people are like, yeah. wait, wait, what? And you're like, yeah, no, I totally messed up. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. For well, I'm, I'm, I've uh, surrounded myself with people that we hold each other accountable, which is like, we'll get into it with like, and then like an hour or so later, we'll call each other and be like, look, (laughs) (laughs) I was so out of line. My ego was just like, or, you know, whatever. It's like, I, you were, you were correct in what you said. And I thought about it and I either like retract the statement or I like, you know, Mm -hmm. let's talk about this. Let's, let's have a conversation. And I think that's a big thing is having, having conversations. Yeah. Um, And I, and for this industry, we really, conversations are lacking. Uh, we're very, everybody's very much on a defense. People are scared. Um, Yeah. But you know what, if you, if you, take a moment and sit back and allow that, that uncomfortable and a defensiveness kind of wash over you. And even if you, if you're having a hard time with it, like find somebody you can talk to, mm-hmm. to talk through it. Not somebody who's going to agree with you, 
somebody who's a little bit more on that neutral ground where like mm-hmm. they're looking from the outside mm-hmm. so that you can you can see that you know maybe you know that that your stance on not working with curly hair your stance on um mm-hmm. not hiring somebody from the BIPOC community or uh, saying offensive language when somebody either from the BIPOC community, from uh, the Two-Spirit LGBTQ plus community, um, the neuro- neurodivergent community, like if, you, if you're saying things that are offending people that are either, yeah, your stylist, if you're a salon owner, if your clients within the salon are saying things that are offensive towards a specific group, um, mm-hmm. like how to how to how to work through that and mm-hmm. come to a place where um th- one you're not going to allow that stuff to happen around you um yeah. but also like if you've said something offensive like instead of getting defensive just being sitting back and just like okay get curious about it like what made this what made what i said or did offensive to this person you know, mm-hmm. and maybe sit down and just listen, listen to what people say. I notice on, of course, it, the internet is a crazy place because everybody's opinion has, or well, everybody has an opinion, everybody's opinion matters. But when somebody calls you, tries to call you in for something that you've done or said, I see a lot of like, people are just get like so angry mm-hmm. and they're just like, and they lash out where if you just took a step back and maybe just like see what people are actually saying sit in the discomfort you know yeah. sit in it and and then like i said find somebody you can talk to so that you can understand more of why mm-hmm. this is not working i do a lot of i read a lot um between like books and different articles uh specifically like dealing with like different groups that maybe i'm not uh, particularly part of mm-hmm. to understand more of what their world is like mm-hmm. so that I can come with a more compassionate um it's really amazing just a more compassionate person yeah you know? well, yeah Jillian this has been so I feel like we could talk for hours and hours, hours and hours yeah hours. this has been so good so remind us what your Instagram handles are where people can reach out and get connected with you so my, uh, the Instagram account I'm on majority of the time is Jill's curls, G I L L Z C U R L Z. It's so funny. I always laugh when I say Z. <laughs> I love it. I can never remember which one's Canadian, and which one's American. Okay. Well, everyone listening, go follow Jillian, send her a DM, let her know you listen to the podcast. And I mean, I would love to have you back on to ha- dive more into of these other topics that love. we could talk about. I would love to. <sighs> Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Awesome. Are you going to ask me my, uh, your question? Okay. Totally forgot. Nuggets or nachos, Jillian? Nuggets. Every day, all day. I got to tell you this quickly. When I go to McDonald's and I'm in the drive-thru and I'm ordering, I'm (laughs) always like, can I get... A 10P chicken McNuggets. <laughs> I say McNuggets. McNuggets. 
McNuggets. <laughs> I'm like, my nuggets. I love it. Yay, nuggies. Yes, yes. Every day, all day. 